0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. What an awesome weekend to be a Philadelphia sports fan. The Eagles take it to the Rams. The Phillies win game one over Spencer Strider. We've got Bob Wankel on today to talk about that at 1220. But first, let's get everything into the Eagles for the next 20 minutes. And I want to bring on Kevin Kincaid. Look at you, color rush. All white. Uh, yeah, it's
1: like a, um, what do they call it? Like Heather? Is that what this is like design? Like
0: little. Uh, it looks like white. I'm going to go with white.
1: Okay, Color right, rush. Right. I just like to point out, um, today's Columbus day, right? Oh, or, um, or Indi- indigenous people's day. If you prefer that either way, it's a company holiday and we're working right through it.
0: Uh, we're the working man right now. We're burning the midnight oil. I love that. You can't, you can't yeah. not work when you're, when your football yeah. team is five and O and your baseball team is during Red October right now in Game One, and they just took it to Spencer Strider.
2: Like it, 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 there is works. no
0: more fun time to talk about sports than in the middle of a playoff run, and then when your team is undefeated. I'm like, we we worked so much during the weekend this week, but like I didn't ever feel like there was a time that I hated it. It was so much fun because we could always go back to those yeah. 2014, 2015, 2016 years and be like, what the fuck <laughs> are we going to talk about? Because we're going through the process. The Eagles stink. Uh, the Flyers weren't any good. And, uh, and, and the Phils and the suck too. So I will take this. I will work 70 hours a week if we continue to get this kind of success that we have in Philly sports right now. That's right. We're committed to it. I better not see anybody else in the Philadelphia sports
1: media taking off for, for Columbus Day today. What are they going to do anyway, go down to Marconi Plaza? <laughs> Hang out with the graven Seals down at Marconi Plaza? <laughs> oh, is there anything down there anymore? Is the statue still there, or did they get rid of
0: it? Uh, it's, no, it's still there. The box is gone. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. All right. There you go. I, I don't mean to make people uncomfortable. I'm just getting this out of the way before Bob comes on, because I know Bob gets kind of weird when we talk about, like – uh Anything that's not sports, he's like a
0: he's like a sport robot where he's like, do not compute anything other than sports and fastball.
1: Right? I would hate to see what happens if I bring up the uh, Sixers Israel statement while he's on the show. He would probably wheel himself right off.
0: No, we'll 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 get Bob's stance on Israel versus Palestine shortly in about twenty minutes. Let's talk about (laughs) the Eagles right now. Yeah. Good win. Good uh, win. Good win. win. I I think that's the first place to start. Good win. Um, not satisfied, which is great. Kind of a boring win. I wouldn't consider it an ugly win, but it was definitely a boring win. Rams really didn't show any, any life in the second half. Couldn't get the ball moving. I was shocked to find out that they shut him out in the, in the, uh, in the first half after giving up 14 points. Um, Second half shutout. Yeah. The first drive looks terrible. They come out, they're getting slanted to death. We're like, holy shit. And like I have like shades of Aaron Rodgers on a Monday night football game like 10 years ago, just slanting everyone to death. And I'm I was at that game and that game oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to watch. Before <laughs> the end of the half, 75 yeah. yards and 32 seconds. That was awesome. Tush push, brotherly shove, whatever you call it, right over the goal line. They imposed their will on the Rams. And that's what they did. They they beat them, uh, I think they had more than 16 minutes of time of possession. Um and it just it was it, it was a really good old school kind of football game in a way. And then you look at the stats and you say, a j Brown over one hundred and twenty yards. Dallas Goddard eight catches. um so it didn't it, it it just from from all facets of the game, death by a thousand cuts, I feel like the Eagles were able to uh, to turn on the Rams. i i' I'm not worried. Are you worried about this team? I know some people are still kind of like, you can't buy all the way in because it's just such a. It's sixty minutes of like agita, like sixty minutes of just like acid reflux. It feels like.
1: Um, am I worried? No, because I think the stuff that they're lacking in right now is certainly fixable. Yeah, Go red, about zone red, zone stuff. red zone offense, leaving points on the board for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, look after after that first drive that the defense gave up, um, in this game, did we hear? Mario Goodrich or Eli Rick's name again, or you know, or Roby or anything like that. I I mean I think that they they made the requisite uh you know adjustments that they needed to on the defensive side. I you know it's funny, man, because when they um when they were really good last year, when they were really good the Super Bowl year, 2017, going into 2018, the one thing that they did better than anybody, I think, that year. I want to say in 2017 they were number one in the NFL and in in last year, I want to say they were number two. Is just time of possession, just controlling the clock and, you know, win, winning in these like ancillary categories That's why when I used to, I used to do the day after post where it would be a lot longer. And I would do like 10 long like paragraphs of multiple things. And the one thing that I would always focus on is I do an entire bracket of like, you know, ancillary kind of wins, time of possession, turnover margin penalties, third down conversion, you know, all that. And like, really you, you look at it in this game, they converted like, I think like even if you include garbage time, I think they were like 13 for 18 on third right. down. I think they had the clock for like 36 minutes or something like that. And they only committed three penalties up, up until that uh, Lane Johnson uh, f- holding call. I guess it was at the end of the game. Right. So, was, I mean, it was a clean game, but it didn't feel like a clean game. Does that make sense? Yeah, but again, I, I say to you what I said last week and the week before and the week before that and probably the week before that one. Is that I just don't – I'm watching that game, but I don't feel like they're in danger of losing. Even when they went down at halftime, even when they looked like they were going yeah. down at halftime,
0: I was getting ready to pull up my uh,
1: – Oh, to I hammered. Because I was like, all right, well, what's the – yeah, you know.
0: I hammered minus 125 money line. I think it was right before they went on that 75-yard drive in 32 seconds. So I got it was, 14, 10, it, yeah, it was 14-10. it was 14-10. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. But that's what changed the game, man, if you think about it. I mean, that, that drive really just stole, like, whatever L.A. had oh, left yeah. and just, just, like, ripped it out of them. Yeah, I mean, because if you go back to that, it was third and one on that drive, and they went up and they played press man coverage, and they tried to, like, like bump A.J. Brown of the line. You know, his one-handed grab goes yeah. for, uh, you know, 30-some yards or whatever that was, and all of a sudden they're in field goal range. You have another completion, and then you get the, the uh, face mask, I guess, right? Or, the, or no, there was a face mask was on the first play and then they had the um pass or, pass or yeah, that right and then all of a sudden they were like on the two and they're like wow we're gonna just fucking push it in from here you know and that, that's really changed everything man i mean especially because la had the ball to start the third quarter with the mm-hmm. difference of 17 10 versus 14 10 i mean they may have been able to extend it to 17 10 or like 21 10 or
0: something so that was the key to the game i thought was that drive right before halftime If you're worried and you're sitting here Monday And you're worried about the red zone inefficiency I don't blame you Because I actually was looking it up Last year we were third in red zone efficiency This year we're 27th The Colts last year, 29th in red zone efficiency They're 16th this year I think everyone can admit Shane Steichen is is, is the reason why the Colts look like, the Colts are so much fun to watch. I don't know how many people are watching the Colts, but they're a really fun team to watch. Anthony Richardson just went down, so we'll see how fun they get. Yeah, the six, they haven't been able to keep him healthy, right? Yeah, because yeah. I
1: mean, he's been he's been really really fun to watch. <laughs> it's uh, Minshew Minshew mania again for what feels like the fifth year out of like seven seasons or something like that. You know.
0: Um, Everyone's going to look at the gl- the glaring two for six in the red zone. And I just, I don't know, maybe I'm too much of an optimist, but I feel like Brian Johnson is going to get this under control. Like, I feel like in the red zone, he's going to get under control. I say, I, I don't love the two for six number because at the end of the game, they ran sh- three straight running plays trying to uh, try to drain some clock. Two, so, for, uh, five. That calls calls two again. for five. But, and then you have the, 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 the Jalen Hurts interception, which just felt like that wasn't a Brian Johnson call. That felt like it was Hurts trying to, Underthrow it for either a back shoulder pass to AJ or trying to get I think they ran that same play the week before or two weeks before where they got a um, they got a pass interference on the goal line that worked but AJ Brown had his guy beat so I mean if you if you take away yeah. those two and say AJ Brown and, and Jaden Hurts and AJ Brown on the same page you're looking at like three for five and that's did it. they
1: talk to either one
0: of them talk about it after the game. I didn't I didn't hear that. And I'm sure we'll hear from Brian Johnson, you know, on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it he seemed talks. like a miscommunication because I was like, my first thought
1: was there's no way that he underthrew him that badly. You know, it looked like mm-hmm. he was expecting him to just go to the pylon and throw that back shoulder, that back shoulder pass and it wasn't there, you know. Um yeah. so yeah, I mean, they they
0: left they left they left points on the board. But can can I talk a little nerdy to you right now? Not dirty to you. Can I talk a little nerdy to you? I was looking this up the other day. I was looking at those last night. Their average drive time right now is three minutes and seven seconds. That's top five. Their average yards per drive is thirty-four point six. That's in the top ten. I think they're starting on the thirty-one yard line. So basically, if you average out every single drive, they're getting to the opponents like thirty-five almost every single time. And their average points per drive is two point four two. They're in the top ten. Thank you for letting me talk a little nerdy to you. What do you What do you think when I uh, when I say that out loud? Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. They
1: they they just know how to stay ahead of schedule and you know keep the chains moving. I think it's um, I think Jalen Hurts running was really important to what they did in the red zone last year. You know, and he looked good running in this game, but you know that was mostly in, in between the. The 20s, I think they had a good five wide run where he converted on like third and seven or something like that. Um, I'd say that the only play call that I actually like hated in the red zone was the Quez Watkins third and two, the bubble where Quez Watkins
0: should have gotten the first down, but he he really should have got it.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, but even then, I don't like the play. I don't, I don't like, yes, he should have got the first down, but I don't like throwing behind the line of scrimmage on third and two. It just seems Mm -hmm. like some. 2006 esque, uh, Andy Reid kind of kind of BS player, some some yeah. big 12 bullshit or something like that, you know? Um, but but I, I don't, I, you know, it's funny because, like, they, um, I, there are some people who are sensitive to the Brian Johnson, uh, red zone thing. I'm trying not to name names here, but uh, you know, it seemed like, um, on that play that Jalen threw the interception, it reminded me a little bit last year of the AJ Brown, um, touchdown where it was like, Seem like he changed the play, the line of scrimmage. And it looked like he saw something here you on know, the same one with how the corner was playing him. And maybe when he was audibling or just going to a, to a pre-snap check or something, they might not be, have been on the same page with it. That's an interesting wrinkle to consider too, because when you're thinking of, you know, does Brian Johnson, is Brian Johnson calling all the plays in the red zone? is Nick Sirianni getting more involved. Remember the third and 11 running call fiasco last, last week or whatever. Um, it's it's kind of hard to determine whether or not like Jalen is audibling from one play to a different play in some of these cases versus just having like multiple checks built into one play you know what I'm saying they could go to the line of scrimmage and like trips or something like that and he may just yell over to somebody hey you know hot read one or two based on how the defense is aligned right so again it's not like because people will use that and say well he's audibling out of some shitty play call the Brian Johnson call we don't really know that you know Sounds like trying to determine what's an RPO versus what's like just play action, you know? And it doesn't
0: feel like the Eagles coaches want to give us anything for us to realize it. I think they could quash that
1: pretty easily. Yeah. I was talking to somebody last week where I was like, you know, they could probably uh, get rid of the ambiguity here if they would just explain a little bit more in depth about what they're doing. I don't think they're ruining any trade secrets by saying, because remember Brian Johnson was asked last week, he said, is that the play that Jalen went to the line with? And he said, oh yeah, blah, 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 something or other. Right. But again, it wasn't that it it could have been the case that like, yes, he went to the line with this play, but that play had like two or three pre-snap checks that were built into it. And he went to check number two, just because he saw the corner play in a certain way, you know? So that's a big difference between, yeah, he adjusted the play that I called at the line of scrimmage versus he said, fuck my play and called his own play Mm -hmm. instead, you know what I'm saying? So those are things that are hard to determine, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much only it, you know, because I watched the 49ers play and um yeah, people making these comments about the Niners being like so far ahead of the Eagles or the teams both being five and oh, but one being a good five and oh and the other being a not good five. I mean, I get it, but I just the, the the Niners have been doing it with style points and the Eagles have been doing it with like like grittiness,
0: you know. That is why I'm not too worried about the 49ers right now. Now, I do think they beat the Eagles in week 13. I think we beat them in the NFC Championship. But if you think about it and you look at every single team in the NFL what team can impose their will on both sides of the ball better than the eagles on the 49ers they can yeah. both impose it on the defensive line and on the offensive line we've already seen that before so like i know you know for like 49ers like you said are winning with style points right now but i'm still not worried about the 49ers being quote unquote the best team in the uh in the nfc i mean we could have they could Great have hung blame. the uh, champions in october banner last year if you wanted to yeah. for the 49ers
1: well, they might. Yeah, I mean, because they run the risk of, of capping out early, you know, hitting the ceiling early. I agree with what Tyler's saying here. He says it's it's as if every week we complain about something and they end up fixing it the following week. Right. I mean, when we complained about the passing game, passing game looks pretty good now. Yeah. And we were complaining about Jalen not looking like himself in the running I, game. I did say
0: Jalen didn't look fast and he looked so fast. I don't know if it was the green jerseys versus the white jerseys, because the all yeah. whites. Uh, you said this in your in your post yesterday. The all-whites are awesome.
1: I like the all-whites. Dude, the all-whites. I don't think they get enough love. Yeah, with the midnight green on the helmet? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think they look... I, I, don't, I don't. I would. I don't think he looked fast yesterday. I think he looked like beefy man. I mean, he was making some grown man runs. Like he got around
0: baseball. the lash, though a couple times, and I was like, oh, he's fast today. He's having a fast game. I don't think yeah, the green yeah. gives him. I don't think the green does him a service. I don't think Midnight Green does your, a does white your green. service. Yeah. They didn't call him Billy Midnight Green Shoes Johnson for a reason. Okay, they call him Billy White Shoes Johnson, and he was fastest guy in the uh, in the yeah. NFL at one point. Well, he was That's also whatever. sick
1: in Tampa too, right? Didn't they all have like gastroenteritis or something like that, or flu? Flu? <laughs> they They ain't too many uh, plan too many takis yeah um no i don't have any gastro problems it's just my sinuses i think ford ford thinks i have a sinus issue but i think this is normally how i sound i
0: feel pretty good today Um, you you see you feel a little clogged up you you sound a little clogged up maybe that's just the uh the baritone it could be. I have a deep voice, so maybe that lends itself
1: to sounding more nasally at times. Yeah. But I, but I I agree though, man. I like I don't. I think most of the stuff that we complain with, they've kind of fixed it, right? I mean, sequentially in order, to the point where it's like, what are we, what are we, what are we? Take, take away the. I'm throw this out to the chat too. Take away the red zone stuff. Yeah. What What else are we worried about?
0: I would say I still think Howie needs to make a move on defense in the secondary. Um, I think the uh, the the linebacker. is not doing it. Doing. doing I mean, Roby. No, I'm not. That it's not Roby. I just. I think maybe some safety depth. Um, you know, I don't. I don't really trust. You know, the safeties back there. I don't. I mean, I think Roby. I saw it. He got thrown to four times for minus four yards. It's a nice little sample size. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, I just. I'm worried about. It really sucks that we're not getting like a really good opponent until like three or four weeks from now. Like, I'd love to see. The Eagles stacked up against the Cowboys early or like a Lions team to see how good the Lions are versus the Eagles. Or maybe the Chiefs game was earlier than it than it it was originally or the Bills game. You know, that back half of the schedule is so stacked. It's funny because this Jets game was supposed to be that kind of barometer where it was like, okay, both teams are going to go into the game five and oh, and we're going to see who really is the uh, is the juggernaut here. But obviously Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and uh and we're probably going to go to 6 and 0 maybe 7 I mean, it could be when when the Eagles play the 49ers, it could be 10 and 0 versus 9 and 1. I think I think we'll get the we'll get the Dolphins game and I think the Eagles will uh will lose that one.
1: I would disagree with that just on the fundamental have- thought of like of Get it, get it out of your system and fix what you got to fix against the shitty part of your schedule, you know? And then like you, healthier too? you yeah, you kind of have like a long runway to work yourself up to like the hard part of the schedule. I'm like, look, is it ideal to have to play all those teams in a batch? No, I guess it's not. I mean, you, I could understand the argument of playing like a San Fran or a Dallas or something in week three or four and having that early uh, litmus test, you know, as they like to say, but uh, yeah. I can see it this way too. It's like, Hey, we figure out what we got to figure out. And, Tyler made another good point here too. He's like, we, you know, Goddard remember what's wrong with Goddard. Okay. Well, nothing anymore. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like slowly they're kind of like check, checking. I mean, he's right. Yeah. I mean, they're checking off the box of like,
0: and Goddard had right. a great answer about like, it can be anyone any week. Like he was like, were you, mo- I think John Clark asked him like, uh, were you part of the game plan this week? He goes, it, no, because it's like we have so many weapons that it could be Swift one week. It could be A.J. Brown one week. It could be, you know. Um,
1: Do you think um, that they pulled a Rob Thompson and didn't tell him that he was going to be part of the game? All was like, oh, shit. Here comes the ball, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: Could have been. One more thing before we bring on uh before we bring on Wanko and get into the Phillies. The tush push uh, brotherly shove debate. It came out that Adam Schefter uh, said the competition committee is going to look at injuries for their data and everything. You've been on top of this the whole time. I think you're the first one I saw with this take about being like they are going to ban it under the disguise of being um, an injury risk factor. It's funny for them to think about player safety when we're, you know, playing Thursday night football and players get three days of rest. It's funny when we keep complaining about turf fields and Travis Kelsey almost pops his Achilles last night. It's, uh, it's funny when they think they care about concussions and, and and other stuff and everything they're playing on a slip and slide in the uh, Super Bowl. So it's really just funny to hear the NFL talk about player safety and wanting to to ban the brotherly shove yeah. and then use the Giants game. I think a week or two ago on Monday night football, two guys getting injured at, but not referencing the point that Brian Dable came out and said, we haven't practiced that all week. So it's,
1: well, it's- let's make sure we, if that ends up happening, let's make sure we save my tweet from last week. We'll screenshot it and we'll write down the date and everything. So I can get as much credit as Jack Fritz got. And then maybe I'll get a shout out on national TV from, maybe uh, you will from Ed- Eduardo Perez or, or David Cohn or whoever that was, you know, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's so stupid, though, isn't it? It's like um trying to think of another parallel here. It's like if I'm like a really good driver of a car and then you put my like four year old behind the wheel or something like that and she's she can't drive or whatever. Say,
0: well, we're going to have to ban cars. You know, I, the, the best one I've heard is the Steph Curry thing, like when the Splash Brothers were awesome at the at the three yeah. point, like uh, we're awesome at uh at hitting three pointers and they, it would be like banning the three point line basically, because they revolutionized the game and they were just too good at it. Let me ask you this. It's like when you have a, a
1: – you can have a scrum uh, that's that's standing up where everybody's on their feet, right? Let's say you hand it off to – say run pistol, you hand it off to DeAndre Swift, he kind of gets stood up. But a bunch of guys from both sides are pushing now, right? Yeah. And you can you can push push forward beyond that before they say that forward momentum, forward progress is stopped, right? So – what's the difference between that and the tush push is one more dangerous because guys are on the ground and cause they're like prone and there's a pile of bodies. I mean, is that the argument that they're going to make because
0: it's like, because there's pushing in other facets of the game. The only thing I'll make an argument on that I think people are right is it's an ugly play. I don't want to say it's not a football play because I think it's the most football play of all time. I think the f- football yeah. was founded on guys just running into each other and crashing into each other. And this is what it is. But it is uh, pretty ugly when you see Landon Dickerson, 300 plus pounds, go right at some dude's <laughs> knee or go right at some. <laughs> well, they wouldn't have knee. liked watching football, like football, like
1: the leather helmet area. Exactly. It like it's, the...
0: <laughs> it's ugly. It's It's not the most beautiful of plays. I wouldn't say it's it's that fun. But, I mean, you're stealing joy from people. Did you see that one video we posted on Crossing Broad of those guys doing the tush-push thing? And the one guy yeah, like, yeah. that was like, that those guys are having the time of their fucking lives. Like, you're going to steal that kind of joy from us? Like, why? Why? Because we're so good at things, like upsetting MLB teams in the playoffs and QB sneaks. Do we have to then take away QB sneaks? And now telling people that yeah. well, five days might be too much off in between wild card and division series. And I think that's a good time to uh to bring on the South Jersey uh, coach yeah. of the year, according to the inquirer in 2019, True. Bob Robert Wonkel. Tush push for for me, but not for the right. Bob, are you a Tush push
2: brotherly shove supporter? I, I do support the Tush push and, and the brotherly shove. Yeah, I I do.
0: I like that. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for coming on, buddy. How was your weekend? You know, watch your fills, watch your birds crush.
2: Yeah. Nice, nice weekend. Can't complain about the Eagles. I'm sure people are finding a way to today winning ugly. They're five red, and zone. 0, but, uh, red
0: zones today. Red zone is, yeah. is what we're, we're, we're zeroing in on today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wish they could have won more 42 to 10. Like, uh, like, I'll, the give, you a, 49ers I'll give you a good won. complaint.
1: You know what? They should, you know, if I was programming sports radio this week, I'd say, let's focus on the sideline confrontations here. Is there a locker room problem? Ooh.
0: <laughs> High school, Harry, Nick, Sirianni, the local other. guys are kind of turning on him that he's maybe too. <laughs> Crazy on the sidelines is Which there, I a problem? there are some shots during the game Where he's like an absolute madman That is like hey man maybe you should dial it back But the one after Jalen Hurts threw that interception And he went over to talk to him Or I guess quote unquote yell at him After Jalen Hurts says he likes to be coached hard One of the first things he said to Nick Sirianni That one I'm not going to be angry at The one that he's like when he rips off his headphones And he's yelling at his coordinators Okay maybe we could dial it back a little bit <laughs>
1: trouble, trouble in paradise I mean are you
0: concerned Six one zero. I mean Joe, Joe DeCamera said they have to get control of that AJ Brown thing. Bob, do they have to get control of that Ranger Suarez thing that happened in the happened in the dugout after?
2: Yeah, what a contentious blow up that was. I mean, I, I really worry about the Phillies team chemistry moving forward now after that. Um man, I'll tell you what, like it's hard not to wake up today and feel really good about the Phillies. I, I just um I, I picked Atlanta to win the series. I thought they'd win it in five games and that game on Saturday night is the type of game that sort of flips everything around. Like the Phillies should win this series now. Like and I you would think like well how does one game really totally alter your opinion? But like Strider had the advantage against Ranger Suarez and that bull, like that was their game to go get and now they're really on their heels. Like the Phillies are in a spot tonight where if they can win and they send this thing back home up 2-0, I mean they they've essentially dropped the hammer. And if they if they don't win, they're still in a really good spot. So Um, they're playing with a ton of momentum and it was a a hell of an opening statement by them on Saturday night.
0: Dude, how awesome was that managerial masterclass Rob Thompson put on? And the funniest thing about it was I'm going to tell everybody what we're doing, but I'm not going to tell my starter starting pitcher Jack shit. Have you ever seen something like that?
2: I haven't, Um, you know, Anthony and I were talking about this on uh, our, our baseball podcast crossed up earlier. And Anthony's like, well, I didn't love it. And here's why, because when, when they face him again in game four, like they've sort of showed their hand, maybe like, and I'm like, dude, come on. Like they won the game. Right. Like, I, I think that the, the idea that like Suarez didn't know is, is useful in that it just allows him to prepare as he always would. He's mentally ready to go six, seven innings. But I also think that it's a little bit overblown in that, the Braves mash left-handed pitching, the bullpen, you know, was going to be well-rested coming in and then has the day off yesterday. Like there was a lot of talk that the Phillies might be really aggressive with how they approach their pitching plan in game one. So like, I wasn't overwhelmingly surprised by that. Like I went on WIP. I did a hit with uh, Tom Kelly the other night. And I said, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Suarez pitches less than four innings. Like, so ranger may have been surprised but i really don't think that that methodology was particularly surprising at all
1: is it more complicated though than like the thing that like drives me crazy about these things sometimes is like people are so have such a simple like hindsight reaction to it where it's like well the decision ended up working therefore it was a good decision well i could have ended up working but it could have been a bad decision i mean you still you have to go to like Kirkering for an for an inning. I mean, it got hairy there with with Sir Anthony for a little bit. I mean, just because it ended up working out doesn't mean it wasn't risk. Risky, yeah, I mean, right? even you know? in
2: the even in the inning, they made the change going to Hoffman. I mean, that got tight there for a little bit. Now he yeah. made some pitches, didn't get a call on one of them, and yeah, made yeah. things a little bit harder than they needed to be. But yeah, I mean, there was definitely inherent risk in taking a guy out who had not really allowed any hard contact, had been cruising along. And sure, it felt a little bit premature. And then it sets up a situation where you have Jose Alvarado throwing in the sixth inning against the core part of that order. And then you have Matt Strom in the game in the eighth. Like, that's not an ideal matchup. And to be honest with you, the Braves hit a lot of balls hard. Like, if you want to get into this, like, the Braves hit some balls hard. Trey Turner makes a great play. They they lined into some outs. Like, it worked. And I, I think that you have to applaud it. I think that the Phillies knew that they had to be creative if you just – let Suarez go through that order two three times. Like even if he's throwing the ball well, things can escalate in a hurry against the Braves. Like he can be cruising along, and then all of a sudden you blink, and it's three nothing. So I like the aggressiveness, and and certainly you have the benefit of hindsight in saying that. But it, it was a brilliant plan, and it worked brilliantly. And it's just one more thing with this team that you feel good about right now.
1: You know what I think is actually kind of a bigger story than they're not a bigger story. But wait, hold on, nice. I got
2: to cut you off. I'm reading these comments. Picks the Braves in five, now picks the Phillies LMAO. Any syrup with the Belgian waffle? Like, all right, thanks for your ninth comment of the show, number one. <laughs> um, Number two, I mean, like, yeah, like, yes, I, I thought the Braves would win game one. They didn't. I actually thought the Braves were going to win the first two games. They didn't. So now I, my, my macro prediction has changed. Mm. Nope.
0: Sorry, Bob. Not allowed yeah. to change those predictions. Not, you're not Stand allowed on.
2: to. You're not allowed to say I was wrong about something. And nope. now based off of new information, I have a new opinion. My bad. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
1: Ford, is, Ford is a regular. Uh, yeah. um, he holds I us know. I'm just, I'm just
2: giving Ford what he's giving me. Maybe one day know. we'll get yeah, Ford.
1: Ford has had a lot of uh, contentious comments for Russell. So maybe one of these days we'll just have you and Russ do the show. We'll
0: see yeah, if Ford. The- <laughs> Ford is the warden of the comment section. He keeps <laughs> everything fine. in line. Yeah, God, yeah. Bless him. God bless any, him. Any any new person that comes in, he he checks their ass, make sure they're okay. Yeah, and he's, he's got this like, one guy. I think he's still fighting with this Ian guy from like two months ago. I think yeah, Ian will be games. back for the NBA playoffs, and they'll be arguing about who's who's a secret <laughs> Celtics fan. Yeah. Or who Ford, is Ford keeps Ford keeps yeah. the comment section in check. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I, the, game he, one MVP. I want to hear it from you. Bryce Harper, uh, Rob Thompson, Sean Murphy. Who was the game one MVP? <laughs>
2: Uh, I guess Rob Thompson. I mean, you have to give him a lot of credit for uh, the way that that they approached the, the bullpen, number one. And number two, I love the fact that they were super aggressive on the bases. I mean, talk about uh, five steals. I mean, that was that was really impressive. Like they put the pressure on the Braves almost immediately, but it was a total team effort. And I think that that's probably the thing that's really I don't know, exciting or impressive about the way it played out. I mean, you had six different guys out of the bullpen all throw the ball really well. Your starting pitcher was awesome for, you know, 11 outs. You got some key hits in big spots. I mean, they, you know, Trey Turner saves the game or potentially saves the game with a great defensive play late. Like it it was, it truly was a total team effort. And that's kind of what we've seen from them so far in these three games in the postseason.
1: I think it's um, I think the thing that's worth mentioning, too, is that is as, as much as it worked out and as good as the end result was, it wasn't it wasn't linear. You know, I mean, like they they stole five bases. Right. And they set a playoff franchise record for stolen bases in a single game. They got caught on the first one. Right. I mean, they put runners on in the first and then boom, grounds out into a double play. Right? Yeah, I mean D- Dominguez puts a couple guys on, and then he has to get out of the inning with three strikes. Like it w- there, there were like, hairy moments, you know. And there's parts of me where I was thinking, when I was watching that in the beginning, I was like, shit, they better not let. Like, like, hopefully that's not. Uh, and I thought to myself like three, three at least three or four times like in the first couple innings, like, oh, I hope that doesn't bite him in the ass.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of that almost immediately the first inning. Every single Phillies writer and fan was like, can't waste that opportunity in the first inning. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah good, good take. That was very yeah. insightful. I mean, yeah, and really it's true. Going, it
1: was- out, going out on a limb. And
2: yeah, not scoring in the first yeah. inning was not the <laughs> ideal outcome. That is a good point. Um, mm-hmm. But I like the fact that, you know, first batter of the game, Kyle Schwarber lines the ball 103 miles an hour off the right center field fence. Like, it was immediate. Yeah. You know, there's this idea like, okay, here come the Braves, Spencer Strider. And they immediately sent this message like, we're not going to back down off of it. Now, that being said – Strider was really good on Saturday night. Like, you see, I I saw John Clark tweet something like along the lines of, it's amazing how Strider owns the Phillies in the regular season, but they get to him in the postseason. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like they had last year, they got to him because he was hadn't pitched in three weeks, and that was great. Like he was really good on Saturday. Now, if you told me Spencer Strider was going to allow two runs over seven innings and strike out eight batters, I would have said the Phillies are probably in trouble. Yeah. So you know, there are a lot of different things to love in Game One, but like by no means did the Phillies beat up Spencer Strider. I mean, that that just didn't happen.
0: What is your take on uh on everybody bitching about, complaining about too much rest for the division winners? Now there's five days off. I I don't understand it. I think rest is good for people um during a 162 grueling season. I would be interested to see what you think.
2: I think that it's just too small of a sample. Like I know that this happened last year. I know that there's been some struggles with these these top seeded teams this year. But at the same time, like it's not like we're looking at 10 years worth of data here. To me, it feels like the Braves were really good last year and they got bounced and if the Braves are really good this year and they get bounced. We it's it's like an overreaction in a in a small sample. The bottom line is they have a they have home field advantage coming in. They get to throw their top two guys four times in a potential five game series and the Phillies had to assume the risk of not even reaching the NLDS because they had to play someone else. like I think that people tend to overlook that element of it. The Phillies risked not being here because they had to play baseball games. Now I concede that baseball is very much like a rhythmic thing. Being taken out of your rhythm is definitely not, I think, conducive to firing on all cylinders right away. Like I think there's something to be said for that. But it, I, the, the concern you have though is, does it de-incentivize for the lack of a better term, Teams to go all in and say, well, you know what, like let's just be the top wild card. We'll get home field in the first round, and then we'll carry that momentum in. Like you don't want a situation where teams say, like, hey, maybe winning 105 games isn't the way to go. um It seems kind of stupid to say that, but like, you do wonder if it, if it is a thought.
1: Yeah, but you don't have to throw the whole bracket, the whole format in the trash right away. I mean, there's an intermediate step here where you could recede after the first round.
2: You could recede.
1: Yeah, the like Braves the could have got the D-backs suggestion. instead, you know?
2: Yeah, no, that's that's true. But I like Anthony's suggestion. He said, you know, maybe they should just stretch out the DS to seven games. And I know that people are like, no, you don't want more baseball for, for whatever reason. There's like, That seems to be a take. Like, not more baseball. More regular season baseball? No. More playoff no, baseball? Yeah. Give me all the playoff baseball. And maybe that takes away some of that that – you know, rust factor or whatever you want to call it. But I think that this issue is unique to the Braves in that one, it's just a terrible matchup for them. The Phillies are probably the team that can, can prevent Atlanta from winning the world series. In fact, I think that they might be the only team that can prevent the Braves from winning the world series this year. So the matchup is, is kind of unique in that you have this division rival. They did it to you last year. They have a bunch of gamers they just aren't a great matchup for the Phillies. So that's part of it. And then I think the other thing you have to look at is forget the the week of rest leading up, but the Braves haven't had to play it. Intense, competitive, meaningful game in four months. And that's a credit to how good they've been, right? Like, it's it's great that they were able to run away and hide from everybody. But, like, the Braves haven't had to look at the scoreboard. They haven't had a two-game losing streak where it's like, oh, my God, like, are we going to miss the playoffs? The world is melting down. Like, I think that when you go through the ups and downs and you have to compete from start to finish across 162, I think it kind of hardens you a little bit. And, you know, the Braves haven't exactly been battle-tested here.
1: I just think it's funny because you look at these teams like, you know, the the Orioles are playing in their first ALDS since like Buck Showalter was the manager, right? It's like there's so much buzz from, them. And like they're like in, in, in like two seconds, they're going to be out of it. You know, <laughs> it's like it reminds me of like those wild card games that the Pittsburgh Pirates played like five or six years ago. It's like, oh, we finally are not shit. Oh, we made the playoffs. Oh, we're out. Yeah, I was,
2: I was surprised by the weekend that they had. I, I you know, thought Baltimore would, uh, you know, come out and, and play well here, and uh, they just had nothing. You know, game one, three, two. It's a tough loss, but I don't think that having a bye or sitting around had anything to do with what happened yesterday. I know they got yeah. back into it late, but like, sorry, you were down nine two after three innings. That's on you, man. That's not on the schedule or the format.
1: But it's like these great stories. It's like, oh, the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Cardinals all missed the postseason together for the first time in like 30 years. Oh, the Orioles are no. It's like the, the meme with the Simpsons grandfather walking in the dorm, putting his hat on the thing, and then walking right the fuck back out. Because it's like, did this just start? I mean, weren't we all like hyped to see like some interesting teams in here? And then it's like, well, could be over right away. I, I, um, I just
0: don't understand people who don't like upsets when this country was founded on upsets. American Revolutionary War. You ever heard of it before?
2: I American think that the chaos is good, man. I, I I think that that's one of the reasons the NFL has become incredibly successful amongst March, many Madden. others. But like that that parody uh, element of it, like it's a week-to-week league. You don't know what's going to happen. I kind of like the fact, and and listen, I think that you need to get it to a point where if, if the data over five years shows that that the, the uh, teams with buys are just at a disadvantage, like they're winning less than fifty percent of the time. Then yeah, I guess you have to look at it, but in just such a small sample,
1: yeah,
2: I don't know. It, it was the same like in more... the NFL.
1: Go ahead. No, it was the same in the NFL. I think when they when they first year that they went to seven teams each, right? Didn't the Packers and the Titans both lose uh, as number one seeds? In well, and the Vikings game? lost as a second seed last year, so yeah. So, I mean, but I don't I didn't hear anybody saying, oh, they got to get rid of this format, you know.
0: Well, I didn't hear anyone in 2011 when we had to play the 90-win Cardinals uh, write 1,500-word dossiers about us being, you know, unfair and everything. Now, maybe that's because of my tunnel vision, and we're on a uh, Philadelphia Sports, you know, podcast and everything, and I, you know, my insecurities oh, are going we,
2: we are very guilty of that here, like, oh, uh, they're only banning the tush-push because the Eagles are on it. Like, that's – we well, do when, stuff, man. When we're
0: good at something – why is it always taken away the capital in the 1800s? We were too good at it. They moved it down to DC, the tush push too good at it. They want to take it away. Now upsets were too good at them too. And they want to take those away. They hate us. Yeah, they do. Hey, listen. To see there's some similarities between those three.
1: Yo, what's up with, um, I watched the catcher interference like a hundred times. And I'm still, I'm not convinced that it actually hit. Did it hit, are we, are we, have we decided that it hit like a glove string? Yes.
2: Yeah. It hit the under part of the the catcher's glove. I mean, the audio, everyone's freaking out in in real time, but like you hear it. It is, it's something you hear on sound. And Murphy's reaction told the whole story. Like he didn't argue. He knew it. He was frustrated with himself. He knew. I mean, and, and so like it happened and it was the right call. And I was actually impressed with major league baseball that they got it right because that was one where he looked at it and he said the video evidence doesn't support this necessarily, at least with the, the, those cursory glances. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that they got that right. Can the, can the ump
1: is the ump allowed to just call it on sound only though?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think you, 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 a lot of times that's- would do that. I mean, like you, obviously you have to look at the play, but I mean, you hear that and that's kind of what you're, you're more or less you're probably going
0: to hear it more or you're than more
2: speaking. or less processing, yeah. i should say not seeing but yeah. yeah i mean i think that 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 can be a sound-based thing
0: yeah, were you just weird. as impressed with the atlanta braves fans showing their true colors and throwing trash on the ground again
2: yeah that was that was weak and i know that uh i think i sent you guys a message the other night about like how you know twitter i like i know philly's fans are like we're we're the best fans on earth and nobody's as good as we are and like not the lie I came on here last week and I talked about, I mean, that was the thing you clipped about how good the fans were last week here. And
0: you didn't retweet it by the way. And you always yell at me about clipping bad. Things.
2: I retweeted it. No, I, I retweeted I it. You can go back and look. No, it. I did. I did. Uh, but like, it's true. Philly's fans are awesome. Right. Um, I did think that the Braves fans were kind of lame. Like sometimes I think we do this thing, like you're not as good as we are. Like we need constant validation online. Um, but like Saturday night, that that Atlanta crowd was dismal. Uh, and and I know right. they didn't have a ton to cheer about, but like, my God, man, like it just did not factor in at all. Like you couldn't hear it. It just didn't play God, behind, I the, uh,
0: behind the home plate. Those, those seats being uh That'd not be. filled. That looked ugly. Looked like these yeah. big bulking green leather seats, just empty, Looked terrible. They need to get some seat fillers like the Oscars.
2: Can you imagine a scenario where they, the Phillies come back up two zero and they get here on Wednesday and like, Everyone down there just, like, smells blood. Like, Do they get off the bus? There's, it, yeah. You know, like, it's one thing when you're like, I hope we win. I, I think we can win. Like, when Atlanta comes in here on Wednesday, if they're up 2-0 and everyone's just feeling it, and it's like it has that finish them, like, Mortal Combat element to it, yeah. like, it, it could be something else, man. My,
0: my ideal series is they lose tonight, they win game three, and then Strider has to pitch game four and we well, just get yeah. one more Strider like back like last year.
2: Yeah, if there, if that's the I guess maybe the dream scenario, uh, you, you get Strider and you pummel him at home to to win it. I guess Phillies fans would love that. But I mean, this to me is like your real opportunity. The Phillies don't have to have tonight. It, it's not a must wing got to have. But, you know, like you really control this thing with a win tonight. Like Bob, really he, he grew a mustache
0: because we bullied him into growing a mustache.
2: You go, grow a beard
0: because you a bullied. Beard. Him Sorry. He beard. grew a yeah. beard. Yeah. Because we bullied his mustache so badly.
2: Yeah. He usually the changed. growth of facial hair does indicate that there's, you know, there's definitely a lack of confidence. Like yeah. anytime, yeah, that, anytime I lack confidence in my like writing ability or like mm-hmm. my job, I start to grow a beard yeah. because I so, need to. Yeah. It's, it's, just a, it's such a bad next look for,
1: for years. It's such it's a bad look, too. He looks like he's from uh like a, like a, the fifth member of like Mumford, you know, or uh, who did that shitty Hohe song back? In the, oh, the Lumineers. He looks Whoa. like he's a member of the Lumineers.
0: Please, or something. please no Lumineer slander on the, terrible, on the
1: broadcast. Terrible fucking. Please, I mean, please no Lumineer Christ. slander. Look, what's the worst thing that this, the Phillies fans did in the uh oh, there's the repost. Right Thanks there. for bringing
0: that up 15 minutes later, Craig. Man, yeah. you
1: are on top of things. I fucking it's, it's Columbus
0: Day, all right. Dude, on, our, <laughs> our producer, number one in the game. Who else can get something 15 minutes oh, after they talk about it? Hang on, we're getting I mean, adult dating chat.
1: The, the bots yeah. have found oh, is pagan pagan got bumped off of the thing. Hang on. The, bo- the porn bots have found the show. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. What's the worst thing that Phillies fans did in the playoffs so far this year, though? I mean, like, take a shit on the concourse. Like, we've all probably, been there yeah, before. Probably, probably the <laughs> I and mean, who knows? Maybe they had a medical issue, right? So yeah. it wasn't, it couldn't even, it may not even have been nefarious. But you know, people know why Atlanta fans are the way they are, right? I lived there for four months, so I got to see it. There, are, I met in the four months I lived in Atlanta, you know how many people I met there who were actually from Atlanta? I, two because it's, it's all transplants it's all there are no there's no like pride in the local team really because they're it's a, just a city of transplants right i mean so sec football does really well down there because it's a collection it's not just a georgia bulldogs it's a collection of people all from the south it's one of the few legitimate like large cities they have down there so there's nothing there's nothing that pulls that whole town together because it's like la atlanta is like la
0: What's the four for four down there? Georgia football, Atlanta United, the Masters and the Masters is
1: in Augusta. But yeah, oh, close yeah. NASCAR, yeah, <laughs> Georgia Tech baseball. Now nah, so, they um, don't give a shit about Georgia Tech. I, it's uh, it's definitely SEC football. They will watch the Falcons if the Falcons are good. But that's kind of it. And then otherwise, it's basically whatever team you supported from wherever you came from. You know, like you'll find bars for every team in the world in Atlanta. There's like fucking Pittsburgh Steelers bars down there. There's like Manchester United bars. It's kind of it's it's unique. It's definitely it's definitely not like Philly. I mean, I I would disagree, though. Mm. To me, it's not to me. It's not that they're not good sports fans. I think they're good sports fans. I just don't think they have this city could like pride come together thing like Phillies fans do. You know, there's
0: no support local. They support their teams well, but their teams might not be local. Bob, were you surprised blooper kept tweeting through it? and I don't know how much you paid attention to it, but did you were you surprised that someone on the Atlanta staff didn't get a hold of his account or their account, whoever runs it and was like, "Can we please shut this shit down, please because I, I I do really think I do really believe this. You saw it with the Rams mascot, I wouldn't be shocked if there are people in the PR or the social media world of these teams that are playing either the Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, Eagles over the next year being like, please do not engage with the Philly fans, please. Because this took on a life of its own and blooper looks like the biggest asshole in a series full of assholes on the Braves.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't have too much of a take, but yeah, blooper was unavoidable on uh, Twitter uh, the past few days. I guess if the the goal is engagement, uh, then he has certainly driven engagement. So uh, hats yeah. off to him for that. I guess. Uh, I don't know, man. Like I'm I'm getting old and cranky. Like I don't care about this. <laughs> like,
1: yeah.
2: you know? Engagement but,
1: farming. It's it's you know Bob that engagement farming is the new clickbait these days, right? Only the boomers on the Crossing Broad Facebook page accuse us of clickbait. Now they accuse yeah. us of engagement farming
2: right yeah stop giving stop giving uh skip bayless clicks i see that comment all the time
1: because skip bayless walks into the offices of fs1 and he says look i got crossing broad to bite now i'm gonna negotiate a raise you know (laughs) if somebody can find a way to turn engagement farming into money then the three of us would all be living on uh you know, retired in shore I, right? I do
2: wonder, like did the Braves, like if you look at it from like a marketing and social media perspective, like are the Braves like keep going because yeah, you're no. getting a ton of interaction here. Or do you think they step in and like, yo man, like let's, let's put a little on this.
0: Well, he hasn't tweeted about or they haven't tweeted about 48 hours. The last okay. thing they said was well said regroup and get back at it on Monday over a Matt Olson, uh, Valley sports, um, interview or, or, or clip there. I, I really, I mean, we watched in real time, a person, who runs a mascot account, try to chirp, get absolutely disemboweled, and then have a come-to-Jesus moment with themselves and tweet through the pain and, like, have some self-realization that, like, they don't know what they got into in yeah. real time. I mean, this would be, like, Gritty or Franklin the Dog. I think those are the only two mascots that run their accounts. Like, getting into it with Celtics fans, getting absolutely annihilated and being like, well, you know, maybe I should have done that.
2: But- yeah, this is about an Atlanta mascot, but yet it's a uniquely Philadelphia story. You know,
0: <laughs> you early, can't early, stop we are early. on fire right now. Yeah, who's your uh, who's your who's your guy to look at? Who's your X factor tonight for uh, for game two?
2: Well, uh, it's like we're gonna be serious for a second, I mean, I, I guess you just look at what Wheeler has done against Atlanta, what he's done in the postseason. I mean, he's just been he's been that good. He's been one of the Phillies' best pitchers in postseason history if not maybe the best like we're starting to approach that type of territory with him seven starts he has a 255 era he has a 0.73 whip it's the greatest whip somebody tweeted this out i don't know who it was and this is not mine so that's my work cited on this one but like he has the lowest whip of any postseason pitcher with more than 40 innings in the history of the sport right now coming into tonight um he's been that good and he's had really good numbers against the Braves. they hit 186 against him this year uh, and he allowed what? Uh, I guess uh, six earned runs in 18 innings. I mean, you have to feel really good about where Zach Wheeler's at right now, how well he's pitched, how good he's been in the postseason, and then this matchup specifically. Ozuna, uh, he, he's been terrible against him. Albie's has been terrible against him. Acuna's been good, and olsen has been okay. And and other than that, like it's a really good matchup for Wheeler tonight.
0: So right now, I'm looking at it on uh, on DraftKings, of course. I think it's my I think it's plus 135 on the money line uh, right now. You looking for money line, you looking over, I see that, you know, JT Romoto, 342 batting average career, Harper, 276, Dre Turner, 367, Nick Cassianos 500, and only eight uh, plate appearances. Um, what are you looking for right now if you were, uh, if you were going to bet this? I need something because I had Cowboys money line last night.
2: I'm not the right guy for this. I mean, like Ford was actually trying to give me a hard time, but he's right. Like, I don't, I can't, I can't pick these games. I have no, clue. you can't put a, you don't, you have no pulse on this series. I can tell you what to look for. I can tell you who's done what I can research it. But in terms of like trying to predict postseason baseball, good luck, man. Like, you know, oh, it's it no gonna well. hold
0: your feet to the fire. That's no, not, but like, let, let me
2: say this: like, let me say this, it sets up well for the Phillies. They have a number of guys, many of which you just referenced, who have really good numbers off of Max Freed in his career. Freed hasn't pitched in 18 days. You don't know about the blister, there's a ton of pressure on Atlanta. I like Wheeler in general, like, I feel like it's a great spot for the Phillies. I can't believe that they're plus 145 or 135 on the money line tonight. I saw a DraftKings earlier, Atlanta was minus 162. Like, that feels absurd to me given oh, yeah. this matchup, but I do think that. Atlanta was a prohibitive favorite coming in. They lost game one. They're desperate. You know, are you really picking them to get shut down offensively two straight games after being the greatest offense in 100 years? So when you look at it that way, I mean, it's it, I guess that's not great just in terms of things having to even out. But it's a pretty good matchup for the Phillies tonight. And honestly, like, I don't say they should win, but it's pretty winnable. Pretty I'm winnable shocked. In matchup.
0: Well.
2: Any insight on
0: blisters? Uh, when you're pitching with a blister, are we looking at like more Trevor Bauer's bloody finger? Or are we looking more
2: like just like a nuisance? Probably a nuisance, but like, I know he pitched in a simulated game on Tuesday, uh, threw like 50 or 60 pitches. They feel like pretty comfortable with where he's at. Like, I don't think that this is like a hold your breath situation, but you just don't know how the arm's going to respond. And it's a blister. Like it could open up in the second inning and then all of a sudden you're, you're in trouble. So I wouldn't feel great about that. You know, like I, we'll see what happens. But the only thing I'll say is that he did throw the ball well down the stretch. Like in September, he had a sub two ERA over four September starts. He really finished strong, but I don't see him going six, seven innings tonight either. You know, he hasn't pitched deep into games very much this season. He's only thrown 77 total innings. He missed the first three months. Like I think that if the Phillies can, can get to him, they, they, there's a shot he's out of the game by the fifth inning
1: i just think it's like part of me would just take my would my gut would tell me to bet the braves just because i don't i feel like it was a one 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 split was probably what i thought was going to happen anyway i don't know if the, if the win was going to come in the first game or the second game but like i just it's to me it'd be crazy if they came came home up to nothing that's just i
0: don't know that's just what the, I, the parallels I are so funny because strider overthrows the first baseman Bryson Stock gets a huge hit for an RBI. They win Game One with Ranger Suarez. They could lose Game Two with Zach Wheeler. Exactly. They come back right. and win Game yeah. Three and Game Four. The parallels between last year are just so funny. I,
1: I thought, thought it would have went. Out. Yeah, I mean, to me, I would have played it the opposite way. I thought they would have gave up Game One, and then they would have got they would have you know got their split off of Wheeler in Game Two. So well, that's what like.
2: you thought last year, right? Like they were <laughs> six and, they've been six and zero, or they are six and zero, I should say, since uh, last year in Game Ones or two and three entering tonight in Game Twos. Like the Phillies. Have been awesome in the postseason since last October. They have not played elimination games other than the, the Houston series um, and the World Series. But like they haven't really been able to like consistently in these in these rounds of the playoffs yet. And I mean it's only been three of them last year, but they haven't been able to grab that like commanding 2-0 lead. They lost uh, to Houston, to the Padres, and to the Braves in the game twos last year.
1: What else do you want to talk about, Pagan? You want to talk about the Sixers' statement on Hamas?
0: Yeah, what, where are you at on Israel versus Hamas, Bob? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, God. We always got to get one. We always yeah, got to get one. No, absolutely on. not going anywhere near that. I, <laughs> I saw yesterday on social media, like, that – I have nothing to say about that. And and not only do I have nothing to say about it, I don't know anything about it either. Like,
1: That's actually a much more mature statement than 99% of people on Twitter who just uh, want to jump right into a very complicated uh, geopolitical conflict that has been taking place longer than any of us have been born. I'm just fascinated about how many people on Twitter know so much about the Middle East. I mean, that's been very fascinating the Sixers put out a statement whatever you know like when here's here's what I would say like here's my my very generic observation how many times is that a net positive versus being a net negative right like how many times does a team do something like that and then the the positive that they get from it outweighs the negative it's just like
2: um where does the directive come from is that an ownership thing is that a league thing like I don't Probably ownership. I'm I'm guessing the social media manager didn't take it upon <laughs> themselves to go no. rogue.
1: No, yeah. no. I will say this though: I don't think this is like uncomfortable or controversial for anybody. I think it's fascinating because the Sixers, uh, Sixers ownership is Jewish. Josh Harris is Jewish. Uh, David Blitzer is Jewish. David Edelman is Jewish. He bought his share from Michael Rubin, who is Jewish. The sixth man, Alan Horwitz, is Jewish so naturally i mean like you're gonna you know there's gonna be pro israel sentiment to it the curious thing i think is that a lot of like younger kids like nba the nba and the sixers have like the most progressive young demo out of any team in town really any league in the world right i mean maybe soccer fans soccer fans and basketball fans probably the most young youngest and like progressive or whatever so so you put, you put those two against each other. Like, right. I mean, like most of your, not most of your fans, but the largest portion of fans are going to come back and, and, you know, be against making a statement like that, which is fascinating. Because if you look at, this is what I think about in my head. I look at like, you remember Jeffrey Lurie came out and he criticized, or he condemned Deshaun Jackson for posting the Farrakhan stuff on Twitter. Right. Jeffrey Lurie's Jewish. Right. But the Eagles didn't put out a statement on this. Right. So I'm always like, kind of asking myself, like, I wonder why one team did this, but the other team didn't. And then you look at like the fan demo or whatever. I think the Eagles fan demographic is certainly older and whiter and probably less sympathetic to like, you know, the opposite of the pro Israel take, you know what I mean? So it's just fascinating to look at those two different things in a vacuum, you know, and think about the strategy, the strategy that goes behind social media, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it's always going to be a dumpster fire no matter what, which is why people say stick to sports because it's like inevitably you got to ask yourself, like, what did we get out of making this statement? The people who agree with us still agree with us. And now we've alienated some people who may have, you know, I mean, the Sixers are on skating on very thin ice as it is right now. Right. I mean, it's probably best for them to just kind of like chill out and be like, Hey man, (laughs) let's not do anything to make people like dislike us anymore, you know, and you know, taking a,
0: well, Jaden Springer had a big block on Jason Tatum last night. Are you pumped? Did you watch the preseason game? I didn't watch you one second of the preseason. <laughs> I feel so bad for the guys who had to cover that game mid midway through the uh, Eagles game too. Eagles game still kind of within earshot and everything. You're, you're yeah. checking it probably on your phone as you got to watch Jaden Springer. You don't want, you watch a team with no Joel Embiid and no. Yeah. Um, and no James Harden, but I'm out, out on the Sixers well? right now.
1: I'm out on the Sixers. I'm out on the Union. The Union are sputtering to the finish line here. I'm I'm in on the Phillies. I'm in on the Eagles. I'm in on the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Um, is there uh,
2: any energy at all for the Sixers? Like I yeah. know, like I'm kind of like the guy that has always rolled his eyes and like, all right, here we go, great, the Sixers. But yeah. like, is there anybody out there that's kind of like jacked up I, for them right now?
0: I get nervous writing writing Sixers posts now because there is just like I know I'm just going to get. 10 comments of being who cares, who cares, who cares, who cares, who cares. I'm just like, why am I wasting my time? So like, I'm trying to like, like Joel Embiid joining team USA. I thought that was a pretty big deal. So I wrote about that. That was fine. That's probably his, I'll go very top service level. Like if James Harden takes a shit on mid court of the uh, Sixers uh, arena on the first game of the season, I'll write about that. But if like James Harden shows up to practice in Colorado, I'm not wasting my time on that.
1: Do you have any problem with Embiid? playing for Team USA? No.
0: No, I think it's awesome. I think it's so good. I think that's where a lot of super teams are formed. I think that's where relationships are built now. G- Joel Embiid is not the greatest relationship builder. We we found that out, apparently, because he loves to just stay in his hotel room. And do you think that
2: go. that's great? Do you, do you see Joel Embiid using the Team USA uh, opportunity to bring people here, or do you see – other players using that opportunity to okay. get you out of here. <laughs> this is better. what's going to happen. So I'm
0: looking at it as Joel Embiid is going to talk to like Ant Edwards. He's going to talk to somebody else. Or he's going to talk to maybe LeBron. LeBron's going to be a free agent next year. And yeah, then they're going to
1: decide to if, go to Miami. To if to Joel
0: Embiid <laughs> understands that he only has two to three years left he will do his best to build relationships and try to build, you know, some kind of super team or extend the olive branch. What's going to happen is we are going to he's going to become best friends with Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is going to get him to want to go to Minnesota. He's going to request out. We're going to have like four draft picks that never materialize and Rudy Gobert and that's how we're going to open up the stadium in Center City. That's how it's gonna just,
1: happen. I just like to note that as I got into the Israel and Hamas stuff, our viewer, our live viewership increased. So, I mean, wh- whoever's listening is interested in that topic more. It could have just been coincidence, perhaps. I'm think- just like- Yeah, Bob <laughs> slides off the <clears throat> screen again. You know, I think it's interesting with the Embiid thing because I thought his reasoning was really good. Right. I mean, he said his son was born here. You know and he wanted he wanted to do it for his son you know right and it's weird man because i come from the world of soccer you know where you got motherfuckers representing like every country like croatia went to the world cup with a couple brazilians who were like naturalized, you know, because they lived in Zagreb for like nine years or something.
0: And you have Americans who were like playing for Slovenia. Why can't we get that on the USA team for the net, for the soccer team? Why can't we get a couple Brazilians in here? Well, we had, like German, in we had
1: a bunch of Germans playing. Yeah. I mean, we had German guys who had never been to the United States before playing for us. I think it's, I think it's good. I think like, look, Embiid's an American citizen. His son was born here. Like there's no issue with that at all. Right. I mean, like to, that's why I wrote that column about like, I, it's like an American success story. Is it not? I mean, like an immigrant comes over here and he thrives and he has the opportunity and look at what he's doing now. But I mean, it would be it was one thing if you have Joel playing for team USA, but what if it was Embiid and Evan Fournier and Rudy Gobert and Jokic, you know, what if they just naturalize all these dudes? I think there's rules on how many naturalized players you can have versus not have, but just for the, for the hypothetical, for the thought, like, I mean, it's, it would probably be better for international basketball if you had stronger – like, if, if Embiid was playing with Siakam for, like, Cameroon or something like that, that might be better for the international. Yeah, when's the last time Cameroon, Cameroon was in the, the Olympics and didn't but, get their doors blown off by 40? Well, yeah, it would just make it more competitive, though. You know what I mean? I think there's more parity in international basketball now. Like, France is good. Spain is good. All these other teams have got – I mean, it's not, it's not like USA just runs everybody over anymore. That's true. Um,
0: but I don't know if Embiid –
1: I don't know. You get what I'm saying? Like, I, I like, okay. I like, I like some parody. I like, I think I it's
0: better for the international game. I'm, not I'm happy that. that he's playing for Team USA because we're going to build a super team. Bob, speaking of the Olympics, flag football, baseball, softball, cricket added today. Flag football. All right. I'm excited. I don't think like the NFL is going to send like their best players. Like, Patrick Mahomes is not going to go compete for the gold, but like three on three basketball, I think a little bit. Like, Robbie, you're Robbie Hummels. Like, Robbie Hummels was on the three on three Team USA. <laughs> so I think we're gonna have some pretty cool ones where it's like uh I don't know, name a big 12 quarterback, like uh who's Max Douglas. How are we gonna go Duggan. about it?
2: Like, or do you think that they're gonna use like professional flag football players? Like well, I do think
0: there's kids in Florida and Texas who play seven on seven that could probably bring home the goal today if you put yeah. them up against against mm-hmm. the world. Um, but I, I think this is great for the sport because I think this will actually get people from other countries into um into football. Um, I think it will have a a kind of an effect like basketball did back in like the 60s and 70s when we were just beating up teams um, with amateur guys. And then we lost, I think, in what, 72 or something like that on some bullshit call. And we're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're sending NBA players now. I'm excited, though, because it's going to be like. Like Daniel Jones might be the team USA quarterback in like four years. Like that'd be awesome. Now we're going to get some like random, like big 12, like gunslinger guy, like
1: some dude who threw for like 4,000 yards. Once so like, uh, like like, like
0: a- Brennan would have been Seth an Day. awesome <laughs> team USA guy 10 years ago. Like, yeah. yeah, he's kind of seventh round pick. He's on the, he's on the, uh, the, the commies death chart. He's a third stringer. Yeah. But he's getting more money pay- playing for team USA. You have any interest in uh you think you'll be watching flag football for the Olympics?
2: I uh I'm I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> I just can't. I can't get into it. Dude. It's like it's like a pro bowl when they they do like the skills competitions and stuff. Like some of that stuff cool wasn't bad. Yeah, like flag football though. I'm, I think I'm out on flag. Who's
1: football. that stiff who it's Better than the pro bowl
2: or... game was. I will give you that. Like, yeah. yeah,
1: true. True. They need a good like that. That I'm thinking that like stiff who played for the Steelers, like like Mason Rudolph or something. He'd be like the per- perfect like. Uh, but
0: you know. this is how it happens, and this is like this is just the 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 American sentiment. We need like a country, like a Middle East country, or like a country we absolutely hate, like Russia or like somewhere in the Balkans, to just beat us up in flag football, and then everybody turns their attention to flag football. And like you know what? Send the best. Send Patrick Mahomes. Send Derrick Henry. Send them all. Like that's what we we're need. sending we the US.
1: That's why we're sending Embiid and and LeBron and
0: all them. Yeah. That's what happened. They yeah. lost yeah. to, uh what, Buster Argentina or Europe. Germany? They lost to fucking Germany,
2: and Dennis Schrader. Oh, right. and what if they do we're... a crossover and you have to use athletes that are already there for other Olympic sports? Like once their sport wraps up and mm. they medal, then you take them and then they uh, all compete. There you I go. Like I like that. that.
1: Got, Michael, I like got Michael Phelps. That, uh, oh, is yeah. that
2: a summer Olympic sport? Is that, I it assume, yeah.
1: summer? Yeah. yeah. I get the gymnasts. Yeah, I get like uh Simone Biles and all them to. Yeah, it'll be in uh, it'll be in L.A. in 2028. So. Oh my goodness! Uh, excuse me for a minute.
0: Okay, see you later, guys. <laughs> Uh, I guess we have some radio wars or some breaking news yeah, in the next yeah. uh, hour or two. So yeah. look for that on the. New uh, uh,
2: PHLY on- development coming in. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're getting an update on Gargana's lawsuit right there, live on the show. Um, he should have to take that call live on the show. We should have to hear the uh, yeah. the inner workings of behind the scenes of Kevin Kincaid and what he does in the uh, inner, inner workings of the, uh, of the media landscape in Philadelphia. Uh, if I give you a prediction for today, um, I love the over um, yeah. eight, Right now, and I do love um e- uh Eagles, Phillies plus uh one thirty five. If anyone's listening this far in the show, what do you like? Anything? I know you said already you can't predict it, but give me something. Give the people Yeah, that.
2: I guess if I had to pick something, I'd probably side with the over just because you think Atlanta's probably gonna score a few runs and I like the Phillies matchup. So yeah, right. I think it's eight right now. So uh our guy Mark Henry, uh he uh is a, a big gambling Twitter guy. He mm-hmm. loves loves the Phillies tonight. He's like Ooh, six- I don't- Six units on the Phillies. He's got like all these player props going. He's all in.
0: I haven't really kept up with Mark recently. He goes on some heaters, but man, does he go on some ice cold streaks. Well, he, so he had I a good go day yesterday, food. so hopefully
2: he it? continues. I think he was like plus thirty units or something yesterday. He tweeted out this morning. Well, he t- he's a
0: generational no. loser, and his and his Notre Dame team lost again this week. So, <laughs> all right, you know, okay. take take the take the go with the bad there, Mark. Sorry to hear that.
2: I didn't know um, we had Mark Henry takes. So I was just I was just trying to pull in some intel, you know.
0: Oh, he's my buddy, man. He's a generational okay. I think loser. I a
2: shot. Okay. Yeah, uh, he
0: roots. He roots for generational loser teams. Um, and I'm allowed to say that. Okay. Um. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, no problem. Kevin, thanks for coming on, Craig. If you didn't fall asleep back there, um, we were talking about uh something 15 minutes ago that I know you didn't bring up, so I didn't know if you wanted to bring it up now. Uh, we will talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody, for uh, for tuning in. We'll talk to you.